Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Happy belated birthday to ChatGPT. OpenAI's generative AI chatbot that kicked off the AI craze of 2023 officially turned one year old on November 30th. Spotify has laid off 17% of its workforce, eliminating around 1,500 jobs. This is the music streaming company's third reduction in staff this year. Do we need to worry about AirDrop? All the concerns related to the new contact sharing feature which debuted in iOS 17 may be just a bit overstated. And you might be surprised by just how much data colleges and universities collect on their students. we got all this and more for you in episode 109 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Steph. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Happy Birthday uh, to Mrs. By the time you all hear this on the recorded show, she will be turning another year around the sun. I don't know how that works with women and their age. and So I'm just going to say happy birthday. That's it. Congratulations. <laughs> just say happy birthday and leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, so we're recording on Monday, but by the time you all hear this on Tuesday, it'll be her official birthday so happy birthday sweetie happy birthday happy birthday happy birthday but yeah i I don't understand how the physics of and how the math of birthday for women over the age of 18 work because last time i checked i'm about 30 years older than my mama (laughs) that's right (laughs) she's been 21 for about 50 years now so y'all it's time to do a tech show because there was a lot of stuff that was going on over the, over the last week. And the first thing I wanted to talk about and, and, and really want to do a shout out. I got to tell happy birthday to chat GPT because it turned a year old last week. I think um, it, it was out. It came out on November 30th of last year. And when I think about that, this isn't like an end of the year show where we're doing like what was the biggest story of the year. But I think. I don't think anybody would say that in the tech world, AI has not been the biggest story of the year. And I kind of want to just get your take on what do you think about chat GBT? Um, what do you think about generative AI in, in general? And, uh, are, are there of you as, as it, as it actually seeped into your daily workflow? Or I wouldn't even say daily, just into your regular work, workflows of doing things has, has AI slid into it at this point. Um, yes and no. I mean, obviously, you know, we'll look back at this time as, as AI being the, the biggest tech story of the year or, or the, the decade, maybe even. Um, I definitely have used it more than I expected that I would, but I still can't say that I use it a lot. I mean, you know, barring what's built into, random tools that I'm using already anyway, you know, like I don't intentionally seek out the website, you know, or Dolly. I mean, I've, like I said, I've used it more than I thought I would. Um, and, and I've used other services beyond chat GPT as well. Uh, so I mean, I, I get it. Yeah. Obviously I get the, the allure and the, and the ease. I mean, I, I created some, uh, background music on a, on a website called sound raw and, um, you know, generated some dolly images and just, so it it definitely helps. I mean, it'll just be interesting to see what, what happens and, you know, how many people get, um, misplaced or displaced, uh, work-wise and, and, and how, society sort of corrects itself because we're going to correct ourselves around this technology um, and, you know, have it sort of fold into, you know, our everyday lives. It'll be interesting just to see how society corrects itself around it. 
did I know that was coming? <laughs> I take it back. So I actually started using the built-in labs feature of Google to create some images. I don't know if this is widely known, but I think recently on my iPhone, on the Google app specifically, there's an ability to enable the labs feature. And I'm assuming that's barred, but I don't know because I don't really care yet. But I have used that to actually generate a couple of images uh, for like Instagram or cover cover images. And that's about the extent I downloaded chat GPT on my phone at one time, answered a couple questions and then got a new phone, never really cared to install it back on. So all that to say, you know, I am a wait around and see type person. So overall, I'm pretty sure people are going to drag me kicking and screaming <laughs> into AI because right now it's kind of like I still haven't figured out that's the thing that's going to change my life. I still haven't figured it out yet. And I'm pretty sure that's a lot for a lot of people. Um, but I'm not as equal, equally as interested to let me try this out. Let me play with that. Let me fumble with this. Let me figure out how to integrate it into my life. I just ain't there yet. It's very novel. Um, and when you need a specific usage, like I'm, you know, for example, I used it to punch up because I, I, you know, we've talked about it on the show. I, I relaunched my book this year and I used it to punch up the description that I posted to Amazon, uh, for the, for the second edition. And I mean, <laughs> it did a fantastic job. It sounded way better. I mean, I literally just cut and pasted my old description, put it in there. And I was like, make this sound more exciting, basically more dynamic. And it really, really did a great job with that. You know, like I said, I had some other stuff that I had to generate some images for. So it, it, you know, it, it's still kind of a solution looking for a problem. Um, but I think it, it will be fairly ubiquitous sooner rather than later. We just won't know it. Terrence, as I said, you you have been consistent on hated it, feels for it. And I just don't hate it. I just ain't figured it out yet. And I'm not really to, ready to put in the effort to try to figure it out, I guess, is where I'm at. So I've always yeah, I'm just a tech head. So I just oh, it's new stuff to learn. So I've kind of for the last year been interested in it. But I would really say probably over the last three or four months, it's like, oh, I can, I can do that. Oh, the. Th- this is how this works. So I have actually started using it, I would say, fairly significantly. And like I said, in the last three months, I mean, I've got, you know, pro accounts for ChatGPT. I'm using Bard inside of my Google Workspace. I've enabled that as soon as I was able to. And some of the things that are, yeah, I think you're looking for, Terrence, are just when is it going to do something for me that I wasn't already doing probably more effectively than I was going to use, you know, AI to do it, you know, you know, for me. And for me, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but about a year and a half ago, I started doing this productivity thing called uh, building a second brain and make a long story short. I am a voracious taker of digital notes. Literally anything that I want to remember, I stick into my digital notebook and I probably, I probably put in, two to five notes a day, depending on what, on what's happening. And it gives me the ability to just very easily go back and recall things that I don't have to keep stored in my brain. I can keep them in my second brain and don't just don't have to remember a lot of facts. So one of the things that I, that I did, uh, uh, started doing this about three, four weeks ago was I started taking all of that data and putting it into my own personal GPT. So you can create your own your own AI for a lack of a better word. And once I did that and I'm playing with, I can literally ask myself questions because that's what it feels like. <laughs> right. And get answers based off of all the data that I've put in there. It's like, Whoa, that is, that is really impressive. Cause I, I could, I could literally say something like, tell me how I feel about chat GPT. And there are enough notes in there about chat GPT that it actually is going to give me a fairly concise summary of what I have entered in for notes over the last year. 
uh, you know, about chat GPT. I could, you know, things, you know, what, how do I feel about social media? It's going to look at all my social media and it's going to tell me yeah, you, 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 you tend to lean here. These are the sites that you tend to spend most of your time on. And it's purely based off of where am I clipping things in social media and putting them into my second brain. So when I see some of the ability for that to just go back over my notes that I have taken definitely over the last year and a half, but just, you know, I've, I've loaded up everything. Everything was in Evernote is now inside of Notion and I'm using Notion AI to look at all of my notes. There is a book that is probably 70% written when I've never sat down to physically write one page of a book. And Notion AI is ultimately going to allow me, hey, take all this information about this particular thing and turn it into a book written in the style of this person right? Um, or in the style of this book. And then 15 minutes later, there's 25,000 words. And it's like, oh, that's that's impressive. Now, it's not a thing where the AI created this. These are all notes that I have actually personally written or taken at some point in time. But the fact that it's actually able to go through all of that data and in my tone, write something that looks like it came from me. That is pretty impressive. It's also daggone scary. Um, when I think yeah. about just the amount of data that I have, you know, you know, in a system that could approximate well, that. And then if somebody gets a hold of it, like, What's stopping them from doing that same thing and monetizing all of your IP and and thoughts and processes, for lack of a better word? You know, it just it's like I I can appreciate what the technology can do, absolutely. But you know, I I we we do still need to pump our brakes a little bit. So, so Definitely. let me give you just like some regular everyday stuff that it would be cool for a buddy of mine just told me this is what he did the other day. His wife gave him a grocery list. It, it was just something that she just typed out on her phone, a common delimited list of things that he needed to pick up from the grocery store. And he is an Android user. He uses Google keep. He's like, Oh crap. She made this, uh, you know, it's like just word, comma, word, comma, word, comma. And you could, there was no way to import that directly into Google keep, which would, which would allow him to basically do a checklist and check it off. So he said, Oh, I wonder if I can just put that in chat GPT. Cause he, he uses it. He said, Hey, turn this into a bulleted list. So it did that. And then it, you know, okay. Then he imported that into keep. And he says, Oh, wait a minute. Let me, let me try this. Make this a bulleted list, but sort it by where the items are in the grocery store and then listed his particular store. And then it did. <laughs> that is impressive to where he just had yeah. a random list of words. I mean, not random list, but a list of grocery items he was he needed to get. And then he was able to sort them and then, you know, categorize them by what aisle in a particular grocery store that he was going in. Now, he said that it actually even warned him. We don't have information for your specific store, but this is generally what these stores are laid out like. It was even smart enough to know that it may not be exact based off of the location he was in because right. it didn't have the exact floor plan like it. So he says what it did was like all the dairy stuff was in the dairy aisle. All the meat stuff was in the meat section. And it, you know, and those places were relatively close to where they were supposed to be. It might have said aisle 14, but it might have been aisle 16, but still it was kind of like all the stuff that he needed to get that was near each other. Uh, he was able to do it. Um, once again, it's, this is, this is not a, this, this is such a luxury type issue to be able to solve that, you know, with, first you know, world problem. Thing. Yeah. Uh, he, honestly, he probably spent as much time trying to figure out how to actually get that. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that, as it would have to just go off the list and just kind of use your own common sense of, okay, well, milk and cheese are going to be in the same place, even though they're not necessarily next to each other on the list. So I get that, but. That is that that is that is some real world categorization of, of things. It just makes it, you know, it, it makes it real to me on, on how you can use it. So I'm not one of these folks that thinks that no one's going to have a job tomorrow because of AI. Uh, but some people won't. Um, some people it, it, won't. it is going to displace some folks. There's no question about that. And that's always that's always the case with with any new technology. It's like, you know, you know, back in the day, there were probably who were really upset when when Ford started building cars on an assembly line because it was going to put stagecoaches out of business. 
there's there's always a cost to enhanced productivity and just moving into the future. So, but but I do believe that some of those fears are a bit overplayed because you're still going to need people to do what you knew, you know, what you needed to do. I didn't just go to my, you know, to my, you know, to my, my little GPT that I created and say, just, cr- you know, just write me a book, the 70% done. It needed all the stuff that I've put into my notes, definitely over the last year and a half since I've been doing it with intentionality, but I've been using Evernote for probably 10 or 15 years. So all of that stuff is now inside of my own GPT and it's, it's really cool. You, you know, just ultimately, you know, what you're able to do with it. Yeah. So that's, a, that's amazing, Rob. <laughs> Terrence is like, yeah, meh, meh. I, I'm not mad at it, but you know, I, I, I want, I'd like to see some level of oversight that we're not seeing right now. Um, because, you know, we tend to, put the cart before the horse with a lot of this kind of stuff, um, especially in this country. So I would definitely like to see some oversight. Here's what I will say. And, and I'll end it with this. I don't believe that we can at this point say, this is just going to be a flash in the pan. And it's not going to be around. No, definitely so, not. Because, because, because that is the case. I would much prefer that folks go out and learn about it, figure out how to use it, figure out how to make those use cases to where it becomes something that just regular people just use every day. I would just much prefer that you're on the figuring outside than it has been figured out for you. And now you're just a victim of whatever these AI systems are doing. So, you know, if, if you, if you're looking for something to learn, this is probably not a bad area to move into. And, you know, we've talked about it on the show before you had, you know, I think it was last week or week before last, we talked about Amazon is giving away free courses on AI. Microsoft is now doing the same thing. These companies know that, Hey, we are hanging our hat on this. We need a workforce who is trained to work with it. So if, if for no other reason than self-preservation, you might want to pick up a book, read a manual, you know, just, just look into it and see if it's something that interests you at all. But on a bit of, of more somber news, Spotify announced, I think they announced this today, that they are laying off 17% of its workforce. I believe that is about 1,500 jobs they're eliminating. So I guess 1,500 folks found out today that they're losing their job right before Christmas. But ultimately, I wanted to get, get, get you guys take on, you know, what do you think ultimately is going on with Spotify specifically? Because I think this is like their third layoff this year. And this is the biggest one, but they've gone through layoffs. Like I said, this is the third one that they're doing this year. You know, any ideas on what's going on with that company or why they are getting rid of as many people as they have? So I, I'll go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, to make them shareholder numbers and shareholder reports <laughs> wow. look good. That would be my first response as to why, you know, companies just announce or decide to lay people off without any sort of pending news. Like, you know, nobody hacked Spotify, you know, Spotify didn't go down for a weekend. You know, nothing crazy happened. There was no hack. There was no virus. There was no bug. You know, it's just Spotify announces we are cutting its workforce. My only other explanation could be, all right, well, the numbers looking kind of funny. And what's the quickest way to change them numbers around? Lay some people off. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, In the article you uh, posted, Rob. It says he, he meaning uh, chief executive Daniel Eck, he cited the slow economic growth and rising capital costs among reasons for the job cuts, saying the firm took advantage of lower cost capital in 2020 and 2021 to invest significantly in the business. So they were printing money back during the pandemic when everybody was home and, um, you know, captive audience and now that that is not the case and that is no longer the case we back outside we got to make this balance sheet look like something and and that's that's what it sounds like to me they they overshot 
the same way, you know, all the companies that sell laptops overshot and, you know, when you couldn't get the parts and everything was scarce and, you know, everybody needed a laptop for Zoom and this and that and third, everybody's dumping all this money into that. Not really, <laughs> I won't say anticipating because you had to anticipate the, the, the bear market that was going to follow that wave. And, and, and it sounds like Spotify got itself in a similar situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering is part of this is that, I mean, Spotify is ginormous. It has a lot of users. And is this a thing of, well, the number of people that are signing up to Spotify? We have not reached 8.1 billion or whatever the population of Earth is yet. So there clearly are still people who can sign up. Um, but I think sometimes these companies think they literally are going to get all you know, all seven to eight billion people on the planet to sign up to their service. That's never going to be the case. But I'm just wondering in the case of, of, of Spotify, if, as you said, Steph, during the pandemic, they had so many people signing up that, OK, well, these are these are what the numbers are. This is what reality is now that everyone is home. No one is, uh, you know, you, you know, everyone is basically captive audience. And what do they like to do when they're captive audience? Listen to music, listen to mm-hmm. podcasts, those kind of things. So are they basing everything on those 2020, those 2021 numbers? And And it would kind of suck if they did, because across the board, they've done better since then. It says Spotify recorded strong user growth, uh, overall strength in user and subscriber numbers. Every region exceeded expectations, growth in North American premium subscribers. But it said growth in North American premium subscribers was only modest quarter over quarter. And there was a slight year over year decline in third quarter premium average revenue per user uh, with fourth quarter forecasts suggesting some on- ongoing challenges. So, you know, they, they was going off, going after that big money. They, you know, they don't want the Spotify basic folks. They want the Spotify premium folks. Um, and they didn't get as many Spotify premium folks as it sounds like they expected to uh, because that shit costs more money. And somebody was like, we downgrade. And, and it sounds like, you know, I, I would be curious if, if Netflix was seeing a similar trend as well, because, you know, it was all good when everybody could share the passwords and everybody was on everybody's accounts and this and that and a third. And, you know, Netflix started shutting down sharing and now every tier is, more expensive and and things like that. It sounds like they were also trying to shift their user base over to that premium subscription model, you know, and didn't have as much luck as they expected to have. And it's just like, everybody just ain't going to be paying for that shit all the time. Like, come on. So Netflix, they, it it actually worked a big fear. What, What a lot of people were saying is that if you make me pay for this thing that I'm getting for free right now by smooching off of my family members, I'm not going to pay you. And I think Netflix said, so wait a minute. So we got folks who are not paying us right now. And I've always said this. I have a Netflix account because I like it. If I have a family member who is using my Netflix account because they like it as well and it, it works for them, great. But if it stops working for them, as long as it keeps working for me, I'm not canceling my account because this other person who was getting it for free was getting a hookup can no longer get the hookup. And I was like, I, I think most people would be like that. If you enjoy the service, why would you cancel oh, it? Yeah. Somebody else can't get it for free. <clears throat> now that, you know, I don't want to say that, that number is zero. Clearly there were probably some people. Well, if I can't, you know, because I was giving them Netflix and they was giving me Paramount no. or, or whatever the case, there was probably some of that happening. So some people probably canceled because you couldn't do it. But my gut tells me that there were more people who ended up signing up Netflix accounts. Then I actually can't. I don't have to say my gut. The numbers actually tell you that there were, there were significantly more who signed up because their numbers went up. So from a Spotify standpoint, I'm just I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. Or could it be one of these things to where? Well, you know what? Let's see how we can run with 15 percent or 17 percent less people. We can immediately, you know, you know, companies, the, the, the biggest expense that most companies have is their people. So if you get rid of 17 of them or 17 percent of them, you are ultimately going to have more money 
than you had before because you're no longer paying those people. So the question comes in is that, well, can we continue to do what we were doing before with this reduced work staff? Can we basically get more productivity out well, of they, folks that are still here that's still like make this money? You know, shareholder <laughs> 101 type um, stuff. That's basic, basic math. Yeah. Super basic. I still think there was something to to the the um undershooting on the premium thing and and to your point Rob you know yes when Netflix started making people you know drop folks off their accounts and stuff like that I don't think those same people then went and signed up for the top tier Netflix account. They maybe if they if they signed up at all, which you know it sounds like they did, you know, based on trust, they probably got in at that basic, you know, bottom tier. Okay. I think this might have been the same thing where, you know, there could have been some sharing going on or or something where they expected to convert a lot of people, you know, to subscribers, but in that premium tier that they didn't get um, because people were just like, well, you know, there's still a free version of Spotify and I can live with ads or, or whatever, or, you know, pay the, whatever the lowest cost basic, you know, account is. Um, I think they didn't capitalize and convert folks into that premium space that they thought they would. It's going to be interesting. Like I said, 70% drop right before the holidays. I'm not really liking Spotify right now. So I feel for all those folks that have, that have lost your job and hope you find something else uh, pretty quick. And I'm just going to put this public service announcement out there. We, we, we have said this probably once every three months for like the last year. It may be bad in tech at the big tech companies, at the Spotify's, at the, you know, the, the, the companies that you think of that are tech companies. But it's not bad in tech right now. If you go find you a job working in, you know, in finance, working at, you know, at hospitals or just working at companies like, you know, that, that had, you know, every company at this point that makes a lot of money is a tech company. Every single yeah. one. I mean, if you are a construction company and you make billions of dollars, you are also a tech company. So for folks who are displaced, don't just look at other like don't look at Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google. Don't, don't look at those fang type companies to go to. Maybe take a look at some companies that have tech, but they aren't necessarily what you think of as a tech company. There are openings left and right in, in these other spaces. So I hope that folks that are at Spotify ultimately end up doing OK. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So, y'all, this next story that we're going to talk about, I saw this popping up, I think, starting last week, maybe the weekend before. But it seems like there are police stations all over the country that have started putting out these warnings about about Apple's name drop, which I, I guess is the ability that came in iOS 17 that makes it really easy to transfer contact data between two iPhones or, you know, someone with a, you know, with an Apple watch and you can just very easily almost like airdrop, you know, transfer some of this contact data. But Terrence, I specifically want to ask you this with you being the Apple snob amongst us. Uh, is this over, is this overblown? Are, are we making a, a bigger deal out of the police needing to warn parents to turn off contact sharing on, 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 on their kids' phones. Like I said, it, it seems like there was a lot of fear that was putting out there. And I don't know that it was necessarily warranted. If it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've seen it all on Facebook, specifically, like you mentioned, with police departments and concerned parents, which it's fair to be concerned. But just because the police or the news or the media is putting out information don't necessarily mean that they have put in the research and did the due diligence to confirm nor deny what was being spread out over social media. News outlets, they get their information. Police departments, they get their information from the Internet. So you, just like AI feeding it bad information, you pulling your information off the Internet based off of what some tech article says and then police op- departments then regurgitate that information on popular sites like Facebook where these concerned parents pick it up. They're just going to spread it. And if it's getting a lot of views and a lot of traction, a lot of engagement, a lot of analytics and conversations, it just gets spread, 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 spread. So to answer your initial question, Rob, yes, it is absolutely overblown because the way they make it sound is if you have this, if you have the right phone, you have the right OS, which is iOS 17. This name drop feature does make it easier for you to transfer your contact information. What these police departments and these concerned parents are getting from that is, oh, since it's easier to do it and it's on by default, then that means you got to be concerned about this because some random person can walk past you and extract your or your contact address list from your phone and then do all the spooky yeah. things. They made they it say. seem like it was automatic. Right. Just because just it's because on, of proximity. Just because it's on by default doesn't mean right. it's automatic. Right. The way name drop works is like if me and Stephanie are talking in person and I say, hey, what's your phone number? What's your email? So we can, you know, follow up on this conversation instead of me going into my address book, finding who I am and then clicking share and then sharing to her Stephanie via text message or just clicking the airdrop button. Once I have my contact information on my screen, I can take my phone, put it near hers. The phone will do like a little bubble reaction thing. And then it'll ask me to confirm if I, in fact, want to share my contact information with Stephanie. I have to click a button that says yes. And I have to, if I want to, I can be specific about what information I share with Stephanie. So if my contact information has my phone number, my work phone number, my wife's phone number, my work email, all this unnecessary stuff when all I just want Stephanie to do is just call me, I can select just share my phone number. And the only thing Stephanie will get is my name and my phone number. That is totally different (laughs) than what the police And all these other people who are sharing this information, they lead you to believe, like Stephanie mentioned, I can come next to you with kind of like a device and I just got to be near you and it'll automatically suck all your, like like in a movie, you've seen the movies to where the hacker group and, you know, they got the the main spy in the field. They got the skimmers. They they got those little skimmers and they just. And you got to hold it over and then the dramatic, dramatic stuff is happening because you got to keep them there. It's downloading complete. It's 70% complete. It's almost complete. Just stay there. Just keep them busy a little bit longer. That's <laughs> right. what that's what people imagine in their minds when this is actually doing this, which is totally not the case. And it's totally unfair, not just to Apple, but to in, information sharing in general. It's just like, okay, everything you read on the internet ain't true. That don't necessarily mean that there isn't any valuable information there. And for parents and for police departments, police departments and parents, you would think those would be the two people that'd be like, all right, What's going on with this name drop? Let's Let me get look it right. into it. Yeah. Let me figure out what's going on. Let me try it with my kid. What happens if I touch my kid's phone, my husband's phone, or my wife's phone? They do none of that. They was like, oh, this sounds bad. Share. <laughs> so just, just to be clear, in order to share your contact data, you have to do it with intentionality. You can't yes. just. And the other person has to receive it. I was going to say, so, so Stephanie would also have to say, yes, yes, I accept Yes, your contact information. I actually accept it. Yes. Mm -hmm. So So there has to be effort on both parts. Like I said, it's easier than just sharing the contact through the text message. Like, like you normally do because your phones just have to be in proximity to each other, Mm -hmm. but you still have to engage the application and allow permissions and like Tara said, 
choose what you want to share. So there's like multiple layers that have to happen before the information actually gets exchanged across the devices. Mm -hmm. Yep. All they heard was name drop, share information on by default. Right. And that, that was enough right. for them to right. run and say, Oh, somebody can steal your information. Make sure you go, which is fair. They, you know, a lot of them I saw was make sure you go into the settings and decide if you want to enable this feature or not. Most of them said, turn it off, which I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like maybe right. I need this, right? right? Maybe this is easier and safer than somebody just randomly airdropping me a picture on an air in an airplane. With you know, uh, <laughs> right, or something like yeah. that, yeah. you know, yeah. right, right. It's like, okay, well, this way, this new way, I have to physically do something and then physically accept it versus just hmm, somebody sent me an airdrop. What is this with me touching Stephanie's phone? I know I'm just communicating with her device versus whatever else is going on, you know, which in my opinion is a little bit safer than just randomly airdropping stuff because you don't know who's around. They may just, you know, that seems a little bit more sketchy than yeah. how this is doing it. And then it would have been kind of damned if they did, damned if they didn't. Because if if, they, if Apple hadn't turned it on by default and just told you that it was there, then the complaint would have been like, well, it would have been nice if it was already on. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's just like, you you can't win, as Michael Jackson <laughs> says. <laughs> um, so I, I feel like somebody would have had a problem with the fact that it wasn't turned on by default. You know, and, and, and everybody that has a problem with the fact that it was turned on. There would be just as many people mad if it hadn't been turned on um, as there are mad that it was. So, you know, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of tech support for friends and family. So I'm like, why am I getting people calling me asking me about, do I need to, do I need to change the setting on my iPhone? I'm like, I don't really think so. So I actually looked at it and it's like, so this is pretty safe. It's like, you know, in order, as you said, Terrence, in order for you to send something, you have to intentionally decide that, hey, I want to send you my contact information. So let me put my phone close to yours. So it'll pull, it'll pull, it'll pull it up for me. And then here's what I want to send. I want to click send it. And then Stephanie, you've got to say accept it. Yeah. That You're in control safer. of that process the entire time. So that that almost seems safer than me sending you a contact card because if I send you a contact card via text message, who knows what it is, it. right? You just get it. Mm-hmm. You don't know, you don't know what that is until you open it. Mm-hmm. But at least with this, you know, I would imagine that Apple has put the safeguards in that the only you know the only contact information that we are transferring over is actual contact you know you know contact information. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I, I saw the it was like it really I think one of the first police departments that put it out was you know here in Ohio. So yeah, Ohio. We, you know, I saw Ohio and Maryland were the two yeah. I saw. Um, yeah, but you know, so it started you know here first, and then it kind of just spread everywhere. There's all all fifty states is <laughs> now. Uh, you need to you know do that, and you know how the news channels do it oh you know, like like he said if it bleeds it leads they got you know could they, you leave your kids out there that's ooh, like uh, what the, the tech the but, tech boogeyman rears its ugly head once again <laughs> so your boy elon you got a new truck out <laughs> either y'all interested in it no um but um the reviews the videos the comments that i've seen about it they're like, it ain't that bad outside of the price, outside of the design with the two things that people are like kind of bummed out about is the design still and the price. Because when they announced it, what, four years ago, it was going to be, it was going to be like, yeah, $40,000. Mm-hmm. You know, the way the numbers look now, just base with nothing, it's going to run you like 60, you know, and then once you get the two motors, all the nice things, it like, skyrockets to like 80, 90, a hundred thousand dollars plus. And that's not even considering any sort of aftermarket, you know, um, options that, you know, Tesla decides, all right, we're going to get a camping pack on the back and end. all those software and, updates and, and all the software updates. Yeah, yeah. You, you gonna, you gonna spend a pretty penny on this truck, but outside of it, the design and the price, People tend to like it. It's drive smooth. It's fast. It has all these compartments. You know, the, um, it looks 
it's a conversation starter. And I think that's what most people like that about cars. truck is ugly <laughs> AF. I'm sorry. I think I, I think I put something on threads the other day saying something to the effect that the emperor is not wearing any clothes. The mm. emperor has no clothes because the people out here that are like standing for this truck have been brainwashed or something <laughs> like fell on their heads, bumped their heads. That truck is ugly AF. It, it is. just is. And but there are, there are some people who gravitate towards, um, what's, what's a good phrase, uh, like being a center of attention. And this truck will definitely pros and cons, good or bad. Anytime you pull up to a stoplight, anytime you pull into Starbucks, Anytime you, you know, whatever the case may be, you're going to get those oohs and ahs and people like that. So I unfortunately, when the F-150 Lightning came out, as nice a truck as that is, it looks like a Ford F-150. If you just do not know to look for the Lightning symbol or you don't you don't know the, the, the nuances in the lights in the front, you don't notice that that is a electric truck. There's no question that anybody who sees this? They know that this is. Look at that Delorean-looking truck. You, you, so that's terrible. Going to be the thing that you say, or you're going to know that this is something out of Tesla. It, so, it, you, so, so I think you're right on that. I do not like how it looks, and I would imagine the people who have it don't necessarily like how it looks. They like how it makes them feel because absolutely of the of attention. Yeah, uh, there is no chance that you are uh, driving around in this thing. There's a video. I don't know that it's viral, but it's probably going to be if it hasn't become yet. And it is an owner of a Cybertruck who is literally driving around. Sometimes he's in the driver's seat and his girlfriend is in the passenger seat and vice versa. And whoever is in the passenger seat, they are videoing everybody else who's videoing them. So it's like as they are driving, it is just person with the phone, person with the phone, person with the phone. When they're at the stoplight, when they're in the parking lot, when they're when they're wherever, it is just all eyes on this truck. And my gut tells me that that is part of the appeal to it is that you're going to have all that is really the only that's the only thing I can think a reason anybody would want this vehicle. Like, honestly, just just for the attention. Like, I, I, I just don't see a use case beyond attention gravity yeah beyond (laughs) yes i don't i don't see a use case for this vehicle beyond vanity i mean the the back of it is a a decent size but it doesn't look like pickup truck level bed like flat bed in the back surprisingly it is like i said the youtube videos that i've seen it's on par if not wider than your typical pickup bed. Now, how, how, what's the word, um, usable, how, how the usability of it is, especially when you have to manually put that cover up and down off the back. I think mm-hmm. people may get tired of that soon versus a pickup. You just get in the bed, you know, versus this, you got to manually press the button and you got to wait for the thing to slide up and then. You know, when you have it up completely, it covers the back completely. So Tesla's answer for that is to not put a digital mirror up top, but put the digital mirror in the center console. So you have to relearn if I'm looking behind me and I'm going forward, I got to look down at the dash, which that's a whole nother host of problems. If the dash is acting stupid, you know, so (laughs) that's too much much going on. Yeah, that's too Uh, much going on. I think a lot of folks thought that it was going to come out and was going to be absolute trash because we saw some of those pre-release, you know, versions where the the it is trash (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. And the reviews that are, uh, you know, that that I've seen and and I've watched several of them at this point, it is okay. If you get, if, if, if this is what you like, it's actually not a bad truck. You know, the, you know, the, the software is Tesla software. It's like, you know, that it's, it's actually, it, with the exception of autopilot, it's actually been pretty good for a while. It rides relatively smooth. It, uh, has get up, you know, the, the four wheel drive, or I should say the all wheel drive version of it. This is actually a big truck. It can pull a lot of weight. So there's, there's a lot of things with it. Now, utilitarian, I think, uh, you know, Terrence, that's what you were getting at. You can't really put stuff in from the side. It's like, you know, I have, uh, although I've never personally owned a pickup truck, I've always had access to one, you know, you know, via uncle, father, grandfather, what have you. And, um, 
one of the things about a truck is that you can always just like, you know, either you got groceries or whatever, you can just go to the side and just put, you know, like if you're, unless you're just short of stature, you could just take whatever, lift it over the side and just set it right down in the back if you don't have a cap on it. That is really not the case with this. The way that it's designed that, you know, I might be able to is six, four and a half, but I don't know that a small person, my wife would not be able to put anything in the back of the truck without literally going all the way to the back, opening it up and, and putting it in that way. She wouldn't be able to deliver something from the side. So like I said, you know, th- there are complaints, but there are folks, most of the reviews are like, eh, it's actually, it's, it's a Tesla. It's, you know, if this is what you want, if you can get past how it looks, if this is what you want, it's it's not a horrible truck other than the fact that it's costing more than twice what they said it was going to cost. Yeah. And I think this truck works if we have already mass adopted electric and autonomous vehicles. The fact that some of us, present company included, is still waiting on this. I want to purchase my favorite vehicle and I want to be able to have the option to purchase it just the way it looks. With the designing, the styling in combustion or electric, right? I think we are, for whatever reason, leapfrogging that into in order to drive an EV, it has to look this way, cost this much, have all these extra features on it. That makes it different than the current lineup of current vehicles that that company already makes. People don't want that. I want electric version, gas version, not not gas version that looks like all the cars. And then if I want electric, it's got to look all funky, <laughs> you know, which is mm-hmm. a lot of them. Kia's doing it. Uh, maybe GM is maybe the closest to like, all right, this looks kind of regular. You know, Cadillac was bugging a little bit, but then they kind of reeled themselves in. But some of these other companies, like even like the Kias and the, the, um, Tesla with this, you know, Cybertruck now is kind of like, all right, electric. Is like this new age future thing. It's like, man, we don't want that yet. I just want a reliable electric vehicle that looks like the car that I like. And I ain't going to have any problems when I go to charge it. I've said this many times before. No one has ever bought an electric vehicle because they needed an electric vehicle. The only people who own electric vehicles at this point have them because that's what they wanted. Now, they may have needed a car. They may have needed transportation, but no one can say I needed an electric vehicle. That's why I got this. No, you wanted one. That's why you got this. That is definitely the case here. In fact, with this Cybertruck, no one who needs a truck is buying this. No, you're not getting a Cybertruck because you needed a truck. You're getting a Cybertruck, not even because you wanted an electric vehicle. You wanted the most, you know, braggadocious, outrageous, right on the market right now that looks like like a, a DeLorean met a spaceship. And, 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 and that's that's ultimately what you know what you're getting in the same way. Years and years and years ago, I actually used to work for a company that was like the, the largest reseller of, of DeLorean parts. And so I got to know a lot of DeLorean owners working for this company. And no one who had a DeLorean had one because they needed transportation. They had a DeLorean either because they got it, you know, it was it was cool when it first came out or they have. I love Back to the Future and now I'm going to own that car. Those are the only two reasons that you ever had a DeLorean, not because you needed one, just because you just wanted one. And that's kind of the case here. Yeah. Nobody wants to drive one of these things. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Uh Ridiculous. We're going to wrap up with this last story. And I I don't know if either of you got the opportunity to go through and, and, and and read this, this article on markup.org because it it, it was kind of long, but I just titled this. You might be surprised by how much data colleges and universities collect on students. And I started reading through this. Actually, a friend said, Hey, you need to take a look at this article. And I started reading through it and it's like, These companies, and I'll just read this, there's a good chance that your university collects data on you via homework uh, trackers, test tracking software, license plate readers, door entry badges, library books checked out, websites visited on campus Wi-Fi, campus security cameras of facial recognition, messages read from completion and completion rates, and you usually cannot opt out of any of it. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. These schools are literally tracking Everything and 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 this story, as I said, once again, it's, it's in the markup. You can go to our head over to the, the techjohn.com and you go to this week's episode and go to our show notes and you, we've got links to all of this. 
but it's canvassing a, a university in, I think it's, is it San Antonio University? No, uh, Mount, yeah, Mount San Antonio College. Mount San, Mount San Antonio College. Which is a community college in California. And it's one of the larger ones there. It's a, you know, it's a big community college. And he's just tracking through all the stuff that this college is tracking on these students. And I just kind of want to get you guys' take on how do you feel about this, particularly when students can't opt out? Like there, there's there, there, part of this story is where there's a student saying that I don't want to use the electronic book because you're tracking me. I would like to use the regular book. This give me the same book that has actually been printed. So you're not tracking my use through the book. And the university said, no, you have to use this because that's what your professor wants. And it's required for graduation. And I'm like, man, it's like they, they're they're wilding out on all this data that they're getting. So what do you guys think? I mean, yes, they are collecting a shit ton of information. You're like, that's not in question. I mean, they keystrokes and 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 all different kind of stuff um, on the thing. But I think. The bigger issue, I, I, I want to believe that the universities will not at some point now or in the future start monetizing these students data. I want to believe that, but I don't. Um, I think they, 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 if they're not already, they probably will be monetizing these kids data. And, and the, even if the university themselves are not monetizing the data, the data is still going back to the companies that they're contracting with who are monetizing the students' data. Um, so, so that's, that's the first problem. The second problem is that these universities don't do enough to keep the data secure mm-hmm. at all. They don't have, I don't even know that they have the the mechanisms in place to, to ensure that kind of thing um, in this day and age. And, and I think they, in their rush to um, take advantage of all this technology and, and granted some of it had, some of it was a necessary evil during pandemic and different stuff like that. Um, but in their rush to take advantage of, of all this great technology they didn't also do the work on the, you know, security side, on the cybersecurity side to make sure that if something happened, um, these students would be protected. You know, I'm not necessarily against quote unquote air quotes them using all of these tools to make student life more efficient, more effective, easier, swipe your, swipe your ID, get in the library, swipe your ID, get in the cafeteria, whatever. But, you need to be working very diligently, number one, to make sure that the companies that you're working with are being ethical with the data and that you are also beefing up your systems so that you can protect the students' data as well. And speaking of protect, I think one of the reasons why colleges are now tracking all these students, more particularly what they're doing and their movements, is because all these daggone school shootings these colleges are like, what you're not about to do is catch us slipping. If something, heaven forbid, something happens, somebody roll up on this university and stuff go down. These parents are going to be calling. These school officials are going to be calling. These media companies are going to mm-hmm. be calling. They want to know where the kids at. And these, some of these college come, uh, these, um, universities are like, all right, bet it sucks, but I would, we would rather know or be able to track. And find out where these students are, i.e. swiping in and out of buildings and uh, taking tests and whether or not they're on campus Wi-Fi. And if they're being tracked via cameras, by all these cameras everywhere, it sucks for the students, I can imagine. But if something go down, parents, you know, Rob, you know, you got a college age kid. Imagine something happened and you roll up and the college is like, Mm-hmm. Well, right. you, know. you ain't trying to hear that, no you know, but versus versus them being able to say, oh, well, according to her ID card, she checked in here. According to this testing software, she was taking a test from two to four thirty. And then on campus security, we caught her doing this. And she checked into the Wi-Fi at this time. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, OK, so now I know she's moving. Yada, yada, yada. So that's number one. I think colleges are overdoing it. Because of the response and this new phenomenon, not new, 
this recent phenomenon is all these uh, school shootings, right? That's number one. <laughs> number two, students be cheating. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, they do. I can imagine some of these colleges <laughs> is like, all right, all right, now we need to track your license plates. And now we need to, the learning management systems. And when you take a test, you need to be sitting in front of the computer. You know how. Can't, when, we need to be able to take control of your camera to right. make sure it's mm-hmm. you and Key that strokes. facial recognition software yeah. needs to be in effect. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah, these yeah, yeah. Kids, these kids cameras. are super creative so when it comes part to of the story. Oh, go ahead. They're actually using facial recognition not to just identify the student, but identify anybody that the camera's picking up that is with the student. So one of the concerns in this story was that if you're in a state like Cal- California, if you're in a state like Florida, in Florida, it is illegal to transport a undocumented person in your vehicle. So the question is coming up. Well, what if you have a child who is born here? So they're legal, but they're in the car with their parent and you're getting all of this biometric data. You're getting all this facial recognition. Now, does the school have a responsibility because it is in the state of Florida to turn over and say, Hey, this student who has a parking pass that parks here, their parent drops them off. I saw uncle so-and-so in the car that day. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, what is the school's responsibility for, for using that data? Now, one of the things that they said, and there were multiple applications that are being used to do all of this and they're correlating all together with the help of algorithms and AI. But Canvas is the is one of the larger uh, learning management systems that is used in higher education in the country. I believe over a third of all colleges and universities use it. And it tracks what pages students view, their time spent on each page, and when they submit discussion comments or assignments. It houses students' grades, tracks when they complete quizzes, and how long they take to finish them. And it gives professors visualizations of student progress and participation in the course. That's all really, really good stuff. It is all really, really g- great identifying information for that particular person. So one of the things that Canvas does is that they actually own the data. The student doesn't own the data. The school doesn't own the data. They own it. And their agreement with the schools is that they will only use it in an anonymized ways. But as I said, they are feeding this data to train algorithms as far as machine learning and, and AI is concerned. So who knows what ultimately they're going to come up with as far as how it's going to be used in the, in the future. Uh, the, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of John Oliver, and I wouldn't be surprised if two or three years, five years down the road, if he's still on the, still doing next week or this week. What did last I forget, week, oh, last, last week last tonight. tonight. I can last never get that. <laughs> I, I can imagine five years down the road, an episode of last week tonight being uh, college campuses and students data and how some one or two companies that have contracted with all the colleges, like you mentioned, Rob, this Canvas company, uh, five down years, he's doing an expose on them giving up that information and selling it on the dark web to create fake college students. <laughs> I would be surprised. Yeah. Um, well, there was already a hack at the University of Michigan um, at the end of Well, it was revealed at the end of October. I don't think it happened then, but they they had to come clean about it then that compromised personal information, including Social Security numbers and driver's licenses of two hundred and thirty thousand people. And and again, that's the thing. It's like y'all y'all rushing to do these things, you know, in the interest of of student life. Response to something, but yeah. yeah, but you're not making sure that your IT department is up to par, that that there's a, a plan in place for to mitigate this kind of thing, and and it it just make you just you're just making it too easy, and you're making yourself a sitting duck when you have thousands of of young people, you know, on a campus who probably aren't that you know, studious or fastidious with their passwords and, and all that other stuff. And it's just like, you just leaving them wide open for, for exploitation, really. And this is definitely you responding to a problem and creating a whole new problem. Yeah. (laughs) You know, which uh, ultimately, you know, we still gonna have problems. Yeah. Yeah. This is something they're going to have to think about. Some of these schools are already starting to think about it. They're implementing independent roles, like chief security officers, chief privacy officers, specifically for all of this data that they're collecting, 
because I think I think at the end of the day, the schools generally do want to be good stewards of, of this information. As you said, Terrence, a lot of the reason that they're doing what they're you know what they're doing is because they want to they want to make these universities campuses as safe as possible. And if gun laws aren't going to change to help them do that, then they've got to figure out what they can do on campus to make sure that, you know, that it happens. So that's probably a part of it. But as you said, there are ramifications to doing this and doing it as quickly as as you are. And the other part of it is that a lot of these, you know, in, you know, institutions, they are, you know, they, they are for profit. They're trying to make money, which means that if they're making money and they get breached, they're going to get sued, either potentially to lose a lawsuit or have to settle in a lawsuit over someone's privacy. So I think that they're starting to say, hey, you know what? Just just to make sure we're safe on this, let's actually go get someone that this is what they do. They're independent from, you know, you know, from the rest of stuff. So it's not like, you know, we can say, oh, we're not going to give you funding to go figure out this problem that we know that we have. You know, they, they're independent. They're going to make their own budgets, all this kind of stuff. Uh, it, it'll be interesting just to see, you know, where this goes, because what was getting me is that like when you're connecting to your Wi-Fi at your school, it's it's not like Wi-Fi at your house to where when you're in your house, maybe on your you know on your porch or on your deck, your Wi-Fi is still working. You can walk across your campus and you're connected to Wi-Fi with one username and one password. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing that, they can absolutely track where you are based off just triangulating which access points you're at. So they literally can build a map of where you're walking, where you are on campus. That is a good thing. If you're needing to find someone that you're worried about, you know, that, the, the, you know, their well-being, I think one of the parts of the story was that uh, if students hadn't gone, you know, during the throes of the pandemic, if they hadn't gone to a uh, cafeteria for like five days in a row, they were going to doing uh, wellness checks on you to make sure you were OK. Kind but of, it, 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 it works until it doesn't it works until it doesn't <laughs> mm-hmm. but who has access to that data you know is, is there someone do you have some i don't want to say researcher but somebody working at the university maybe a student worker at the university has access to, can they get access to the data and oh i like her so I want. and to then and then you know there. never mind the fact that some of these people are still minors and have not and cannot consent to this type of data collection um you know the article didn't even touch on that, but that's another huge uh, side of this puzzle. You know what I mean? Their parents didn't say, yes, you can, you know, collect my students data, or maybe they did in, in some small fine print on the application, mm-hmm. but you're not disclosing that to anybody. So now you're, you know, now we got COPA and, 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 you know, anything else that might apply to, to minors and data collection and privacy. So, you know, just just to wrap this up, what I would hope comes out of this, I don't think that the data collection is going to decrease no. <laughs> these institutions. <laughs> Absolutely not. But at least like I would feel more comfortable just like if I decide to, you know, that I'm no longer going to rock with Facebook. I can go take all my data out of Facebook, check it out and then no longer be on Facebook. And that data is no longer being used. Theoretically, I'm doing air quotes for people who cannot see right now. I'm doing air quotes, but theoretically, you have the ability to check your data out. If you decide you want to leave X, you can you can get your data out of it where they're no longer going to use your data. Once again, air quotes. Here, they're just saying, "Nah, dog, that data is ours. Ain't nothing you can do about it." If you want to go to school here, this is what you know. This is what you are agreeing to, or your parents, if you're not 18 yet, and. That that's that's a bit strong. I think they need to get better on that. I think that they need to allow these students to be able to, number one, check out their data if they don't want that data there once they graduate or no longer a a member of that institution. And then, two, you should be able to actually find out what the school is collecting on you, because that's another part of the story. It's like you guys are collecting all this data. The 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 journalists were using Freedom of Information Acts. But as a student, you should have to use a Freedom of Information Act to go find out what you have collected on me. The bad part is the school probably doesn't even know the extent of the data that they have. They probably couldn't even tell you. So so something something to think about students going into college, students who are in college, parents who are about to send your students to college. Just understand that they are going to be giving up an awful a lot of data, an enormous amount of data on themselves. And if it's unavoidable, just and if it's unavoidable and you collecting that data, I better be able to have a use for it. Like I said, (laughs) what you're not going to do with all you collecting all this data, an emergency happened on school's campus 
and some parents call up and you don't know where the kids are. I'm like, what happened to all this data you tracking? You tracking them in the cameras and swiping and you got the license plate. You, but now I call up there and you don't know what's going on. If you're going to do it, <laughs> make sure I can benefit. <laughs> yeah, I, I envision and this is this is the Marvel fan of me, but I, I envision going into Cerebro when uh, <laughs> Professor X is just looking at all the dots of everybody right. in the world. They're and right out there. Who's where at what time? And, hey, and you know, to reach out, do to what you got to do as long as you can find my baby. <laughs> <laughs> So, yo, that is a nice and tight hour for episode 109 of the Tech John. So I think we're going to go ahead and close it out here. Now, unfortunately, folks, we have not had any new patrons in a while. So I do want to remind anyone who's listening, anyone who's watching, that if you would like to support the Tech John and allow us to bring this news to you, this tech news to you, the way that we bring it to you, head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech john. That's the tech J A W N. We've got multiple tiers over there, any one of which gets you access to our live stream and after party. And two of the three of them over there get you access to an ad free stream. So if you're listening, you don't have to listen to the ads if you choose not to. So once again, head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech john, the tech J A W N. So with that being said, Tech Life Steph, why don't you tell the folks how they can get at you? You can follow me all around the web at Tech Life Steph or check out StephanieHumphrey.com. And you can find me all over the internet at Brother Tech. That's B-R-O-T-H-A-T-E-C-H. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we're also at The Tech John on all the things. So until we meet it again in a week's time. Peace. Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.